Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. This is Live Mike, Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back. We are into the final segment of today's episode of Live Mike. Oh, hold on a second. I know you're curious. Let me scroll up here and see. Episode 255. I, I know you've got a little tally sheet next to the next to the radio there. Thank you. 255. <laughs> Say what you will about Donald Trump. He has redefined what it means to make a headline. He has raised the bar pretty significantly when it comes to headline-making behavior. Why do I say that? Well, <clears throat> if you think about... Uh, how you have consumed the news over the past, let's say, week. Uh, the the stories you've heard here on the radio, uh, if you're a newspaper reader, you know, what has been featured prominently high above the fold. Oh, wait, they don't print anymore. Well, high on the website, doesn't require too much scrolling. Uh, on television, which leads the newscast. Uh, you likely did not see the resignation of two cabinet-level secretaries in the past 24 hours. Now, you may have heard of it. Sure, sure, sure. But as a leading headline, no. Any other day in history, this, these two resignations, the resignation by Elaine Chao, the spouse of uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, Secretary of Transportation, a cabinet-level secretary, that would have been the leading headline. But that's not all. There were two cabinet-level secretaries to resign their posts in the past 24 hours. The other, the Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos. Why'd they do that? Why'd they do that? I have before me uh, both of the letters they drafted and addressed to uh, President Donald J. Trump, uh, letting it be known that they're uh, they would no longer be providing the services of a cabinet secretary and resigning their post. Uh, Betsy DeVos, a uh, single page uh, dated January 7th. I'll read a portion of it uh, here. It says, for more than 30 years, I have fought on behalf of America's students to expand the options they have to pursue a world-class education. Now, listen, I, I'm sure that you have strong feeling. This is Lee Lonsberry speaking, no longer the letter. We'll get back to that in a second. I know that you have strong feelings about Betsy DeVos. Say what you will uh, about her tactics. Say what you will about the legitimacy of even the Department of Education. Should that exist at the federal level? That's a debate for another day. Uh, this, this is, this is, regardless of how you view the department, uh, the secretary who hold the who held the position until just yesterday. Uh, it is this is huge stuff. She continues, we have sparked a national conversation about putting students and parents in charge of education, leading to expand school choice and education freedom in many states. She goes on and shares a number of items from her resume. She concludes, though, by saying we should be highlighting and celebrating your administration's many accomplishments on behalf of the American people. Instead, we are left 
to clean up the mess caused by violent protesters overrunning the U.S. Capitol in an attempt to undermine the people's business. That behavior was unconscionable for our country. There is no mistaking the impact your rhetoric had on the situation. And it is the inflection point for me. And with that rationale, Betsy DeVos, Secretary of Education, a woman in the line of succession, uh, resigned her post. As Elaine Chow had done just a few hours earlier, citing similar offenses to her sensibilities. Now, these two individuals, they're, they're both multimillionaires, right? I think Betsy DeVos may even be a billionaire. Correct me if I'm wrong, 57500. They don't need to worry about their future employment. There are, though, countless thousands, thousands of executive branch employees who for the past stretch of time, maybe for the full four years, have been working for President Trump. Do you think that those individuals will have uh, a good chance of securing future employment? Let me give you a little bit of insight. I know that during the administration, during the the president's uh, four years in office, uh, there have been many opportunities uh, made available for many of my friends. Very conservative people, the, the most conservative working, say, in Republican offices in the United States Congress, both on the House and Senate side. And there were many opportunities for those congressional aides and other friends of mine to leave their current position and transition over to the White House. Now, let me tell you this. Uh, I do know that in years past, before uh, President Trump assumed office, that, well, as exemplified by by uh, John Huntsman Jr., when the office of the president asks you to fulfill a task, when the office of the president identifies in you the ability to complete a certain job, it's not a question of yes or no. It's a question of how soon can I start. That attitude changed. And those many friends of mine I've mentioned here who had opportunities to work in the White House, some of them, Some of them did, in fact, uh, take the offer. And I can test to you today that they are having a hard time securing their next step in their professional lives. Those who decline the offers, they're doing okay. Is that fair to those individuals? Would you hire a a former Trump employee? I think, uh, let me just say so you're not confused thinking that I uh, am anti-former Trump employee. Uh, My attitude is... Uh, in this situation and in all situations, that individuals uh, ought be uh, adjudicated on their merits, that their worthiness uh, and fitness for a certain task or job uh, ought to be evaluated only on their character and their ability and what they bring to the table, not who may have been their employer in the past. Because there are realities about paying the bills. And to be honest, uh, if you're working as, a, as an executive branch employee, you're, you're not making a ton of money. Your healthcare is pretty good, but you're not making a ton of money. There is a measure of service, and that ought to be considered as well. So uh, I'm speaking to you, I guess, uh, employers. If you are in the upcoming weeks and months approached by a former Trump employee, please uh, evaluate them on their own merits. 
and don't hold uh, their past uh, against them, specifically uh, the past that was defined uh, by the outgoing president. Oh, Betsy DeVos, worth $5.4 billion. Hmm. Thank you, Texter. That's it for today's episode. That's it. That's it for this week on Live Mike. We're going to take the long weekend break, and I'll be right back here to chat with you at 1230 Monday afternoon. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Next up is Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News here on KSL News Radio. Your all-day resource for critical breaking news, traffic and weather, and conversation about Utah's most important stories. Listen on the KSL News Radio app, sponsored by NAR Services. KSL FM Midvale, KSL Salt Lake City, KSL News Radio, Utah's all-day companion for news. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.